Well, hey, you guys, welcome back to the Connection Point Parent Podcast. I'm here with Dr. Zach Breitenbach, and this is a part of a worldview series where we're trying to give some tools to you as parents that will catch you up to speed on stuff that your students are actually learning. So they will have heard this lesson already, and now we double back with uh, Dr. Zach to unpack week two in a series on the reliability of the Bible. Um, let's go ahead and dive right in, Zach. Um, so what were your main topics in this second week of your series on the reliability and authority of this, the Bible? Yeah, so we, we were pretty ambitious this week in, in what we covered. Uh, two major topics that you could spend a lot of time on, but um, we gave a pretty good overview of this, I think. The first uh, main topic was, well, how did we get these 66 books that we have in the Bible. Why is it not 100 books? Why is it not 10 books? Why why is it these 66 books and not different ones? Basically, kind of how did we end up with these books? That was the main uh, first main topic. And then, and then the second main topic is how do we really know what the original books of the Bible said when we don't have the original manuscript uh, of any of those books? All we have is copies of those. So when, Ex- uh, when Moses, say, wrote uh, the book of Exodus on a scroll, we don't have that scroll. Uh, we only have copies, you know, of copies of copies of that scroll. So how do we know uh, what was on that scroll? How do we know that we have what the Bible originally uh, said? That's awesome. I mean, this is a question that I think we all wonder about at some point in time. And uh, this was targeted at eighth grade students. But uh, let's start with that first topic. So this is talking about the canon of Scripture. So when you were talking to the eighth graders, did you introduce uh, that word, canon, to them? Yes, yes, we did. Um, So we talked about, you know, in popular culture, you sometimes hear the phrase, say, uh, like Star Wars canon. Yeah. Uh, so some of them, not as many of them as I thought, had heard of that. But uh, we talked about how that means, you know, basically the official uh, movies and characters and events that are part of the Star Wars timeline. Uh, and so we talked about, well, why is it called a canon with with uh, spelled C A N O N, not C A N N O N. Not the it's weapon. Not, <laughs> not a big gun. You say Star Wars canon, they think it's like a big gun used in Star Wars. Like no. No. So a canon is is basically like a a list of books, or in the case of Star Wars, you know, more movies. Uh, A canon is a list of books that are accepted as genuine. So the the biblical canon is going to be those uh, books of the Bible that we accept uh, as being uh, really from God and having authority from God. So... Yeah. Awesome. So that rules me out, you know, being able to write an additional book of the Bible or or another uh, Star Wars sequel for that matter, because exactly. <laughs> I could do it all I want. But if it's not approved <laughs> by uh, George Lucas or the <laughs> Lord, then uh, we're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, so what were some of the points that you made about the Old Testament canon? And then and wh- why do why do Christians accept these Old Testament books as scripture? Yeah. So. We talked about how the Jews already accepted these books uh, even before the time of Jesus, right? So, like, Malachi was kind of like the last book written somewhere around the 430 to 420 range B.C. And uh, we have 39 books in our Old Testament. The Jews uh, had the exact same content in their Old Testament, but they divided them up different. They combined certain books. So... 
Um, they would often have uh, 22 or 24 books, depending how uh, they combined it. But, for example, like 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel would just be Samuel. They combined those. And 1 Kings and 2 Kings would just be Kings. Um, and, and some of the prophets were, were combined. So, um, But they had the same uh, content. And Jesus accepted it. You know, Jesus and the Jewish leaders disagreed about a lot of stuff, those Pharisees, and they were always having fights and quarrels. But one thing they did agree on was the books of the Old Testament. When Jesus would talk about the law and the prophets, referring to the, all the scriptures, they knew what that meant, mm-hmm. and there was agreement on that. And Jesus quoted from a lot of these. So the New Testament writers quoted from the Old Testament. Uh, even uh, Josephus, who was a first century Jewish historian, uh, not a Christian, lived uh, just after the time of Jesus, he uh, talked about the Old Testament canon. He, he described how this has been around and it hasn't changed and it hasn't been added to. He said it hasn't been changed since the time of Artaxerxes, which he died in uh, 424 B.C. So this was right about the time when Malachi was written. Um, so these uh, books uh, the Jews had, Jesus used them, uh, and Christians have just absorbed these, right? We've adopted these because uh, Jesus accepted them. Um, and so they've been authoritative for Christians uh, since the beginning. Awesome. Uh, now, Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox Christians accept some extra books in their Old Testament that, that Protestants don't accept. So they're, they're often called the Apocrypha. What did you share with the students about that? Yeah. So uh, Roman Catholics, for example, accept seven uh, extra Old Testament books, and, and these are often called the Deuterocanonical books or the Apocrypha. And we talked about how these were written between the time when the Old Testament finished, the book of Malachi finished, as we said, around 430 B.C., and then when Jesus was born, uh, probably around 4 B.C., and of course the New Testament was written after Jesus, probably between 48 to 95. But these Apocrypha come in the middle there, between the Old mm. Testament and the time of Jesus. Um, and as Josephus said, uh, the Jews recognized there was no new scripture, but, uh, but these books were written in that time, and they give a lot of uh, history about things that were going on in that time and talk about other things. Um, But I think there are some good reasons not to accept them, Um, and that would be that the Jews didn't accept them. This was not part of uh, what the Jewish people accepted uh, at the time of Jesus. Uh, The New Testament doesn't quote any of the Apocrypha that are accepted by Catholics or Orthodox. Um, Even the Roman Catholic Church didn't officially accept these books until... Uh, less than 500 years ago. It was in 1546 um, A.D. that that they did. The Apocrypha never uh, claimed to be Scripture in any place. In fact, 1 Maccabees, which is one of the the books, um, says God had already stopped giving prophecy in Israel. Uh, And and that's what Josephus said, too. Um, In fact, there was even a a Catholic pope, Pope Gregory the Great, who was Pope around 600 A.D. who who commented on the Apocrypha and said uh, they have value, but they're not part of the canon. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's even some historical errors that you find in there. So there's just a number of reasons why um, we, we don't accept those. Got it. So that's in regards mostly to the Old Testament. When it comes to the New Testament canon, how did we end up with the 27 books that we have? 
Right. So with with the New Testament, there was no official list of these books right away. In fact, there was no New Testament right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus dies around 30 to 33 A.D. Probably the earliest of the New Testament books was written around 48 uh, A.D. So maybe 15 years or so after Jesus died, 15 to 20 years um, First Thessalonians was probably the earliest one. So from about 48 A.D. to uh, somewhere in the 90s, the New Testament books were, were written. So for the first 15 years or so of Christianity, there, was, there were only the Old Testament scriptures, and there was the teaching of the apostles. And the teaching of the apostles who were put in charge by Jesus, apostle, of course, just means one who is sent. These were, uh, had authority. They were put in charge by Jesus. These were people who had followed Jesus and seen him, his disciples, as well as Paul, who became an apostle. They, their teaching was authoritative for the church at, uh, in the beginning. But it came to be recognized we really do need to have uh, writings. And, and, and the apostles would write things. There were the, the Gospels were written, which were, you know, Greco-Roman biographies basically about the life of Jesus and Paul's letters and other letters. And these would be circulated to churches um, all over the place, all over the Roman Empire. And um, these would be read in church services. And how these came to be recognized as scriptures is churches recognized them that way. Um, they, they were written by an apostle or someone closely connected to an apostle for example, just look at the four Gospels. Two of them were written by an apostle, um, Matthew and John, but uh, two of them were not. Um, Mark was closely connected to Peter. In fact, we have good evidence that Peter was his main source for his Gospel, and Luke was closely connected to Paul and traveled with Paul in his missionary journeys. Um, so there, they had to have like um, the authority of an apostle or someone close to an apostle they had to agree with the apostles' teachings, which, as I said, from the very beginning of Christianity, that was the authority, um, was the apostles' teaching uh, for what Christians believed. And, um, and they were used in church services. They were just accepted. They were recognized. There wasn't like an official uh, meeting where it was the, the Christian leaders just laid down on people, hey, these are your books that you have to have. They were just recognized gradually as they were written over this time period. And they were used in church services, and they were circulated around. Paul even talks about this in Colossians 4.16, about these letters being circulated and read aloud. Um, lists didn't really come out of, of the New Testament books until later, say the, the late 100s into the 300s. Um, but that doesn't mean that Christians didn't already recognize these books. They did um, in fact, unlike with the Old Testament, where there's some difference between you know the Catholics, Orthodox, and Protestants, all Christians agree on the 27 New Testament books, and there was never a controversy. There were controversies in the early church, uh, especially about Jesus and how he's God and human and how that works. And there's a lot of church councils discussing you know how to work that out and what's the proper way to think of that. Um, but there was never a big controversy about the canon, about the New Testament canon. There was never uh, this poor book that got left out where a lot of people are like, hey, this book should be scripture. And then, you know, some church authority just rules. No, that's this is getting left out. There was never anything like that. There was some dispute about some books that were included, um, but never a, a dispute about books that were left out. So I think we can be confident that we, we aren't missing anything that, that we should have. And um, there's there's been wide agreement on 
the New Testament canon. So now let's move on to the second question of the lesson. Um, since we don't have the original manuscripts for any books of the Bible and we only have copies, how do we know what the original manuscripts said? As we address this, let's start with the question, why, why don't we have the original manuscripts? Yeah, I mean, one reason just being they're, they're really old. I mean, they're thousands of years old, especially the Old Testament. Um, and these materials usually don't last that long. Um, we talked in, on Sunday about um, how they, these were usually the material used was papyrus, which is a reed that grows like in uh, shallow uh, rivers, like in the Nile and, and in Syria. And uh, these would just be smashed down flat and crisscrossed, and you, you could make sort of a, a paper out of them. Um, and then later, uh, more close to the time of Jesus, uh, parchment began to be used, which is just animal skin. And these things don't last forever, especially uh, if the climate isn't just right. Um, if it's really dry and they're stored in just the right kind of place, they can last for thousands of years. Um, that's uh, the case with the Dead Sea Scrolls, which we will probably talk about here in a minute. Um, but generally they don't, and, and they get lost, and we just, we just don't have the original for any of the six, uh, 66 books. Well, with, with the New Testament, we're constantly finding new Greek manuscripts. So I think the latest count is somewhere around 5,800 handwritten Greek manuscripts. Can you explain how having so many copies helps us know what the original said? Yeah, so yes, we have found uh, about 5,800 uh, handwritten copies of the, of the Greek New Testament. And so by having so many of them, uh, some of them very early, some of them much later, um, by having so many, we can compare them and we can reconstruct the original. And, and uh, in our lesson on Sunday, we did a little exercise where I'd give the students uh, six different copies of a verse or a sentence. Um, and all of them had mistakes, sometimes multiple mistakes. But I said, hey, can you figure out what the original said by comparing mm. these? And they always could, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's, it's a spelling mistake here. Mm -hmm. It's a word missing there. It's an extra word here. Uh, it's a grammatical error here. They're little things. But if you have enough copies, and we were only looking at six copies, right? right. You can compare them and you can figure out what the original said pretty easy. It's not as hard as you might think. And especially when you have thousands and thousands of copies, uh, it's easier to compare them. And many of them are going to have no errors for a certain verse. Some of them will. Um, and the skeptic will point out, well, there's there's some 400,000 differences among those 5,800 uh, manuscripts. And that is true. But most of these are just spelling mistakes. Like you little, said, grammatical. Little, little or, things. Mm -hmm. So they're... they're Not they, doctrinally related. No. Yeah. And that's another thing. Not only can we reconstruct these with confidence because we have so many manuscripts and so many of them are early, but there is no... Um, essential Christian doctrine hmm. that sort of hangs in the balance on, on any of these. Really, it's it's about 1% of the Greek New Testament that has any doubt about those words at all, and, and none of that affects anything significant when it comes to what uh, Christians believe. Um, and not only were there so many copies, but there um, many of them were early. We have more copies, and we have earlier copies um, of the Greek New Testament than we have of anything um, from that time period. Hmm. Um, and so it, we can be more confident of, of what it said than anything else. And there were so many copies that were spread to different areas, uh, different parts 
of the Roman Empire that um, there's there's really families of copies, and you can compare those. That's that's really cool. I mean, to think about that with more copies than something Aristotle wrote or whatever that we have today, more of the New Testament. That's yes, that's pretty encouraging. So some skeptics will say that mistakes in the Bible will just grow and grow as scribes wrote down copies of copies of copies over the years. And they say this kind of thing, it's like the telephone game that we used to play where there's a line of people and the first person whispers a message to the second person who tries to whisper the same message to the third person and so on and so forth. But people inevitably repeat it with mistakes and by the time it gets the last person in line, the message totally changed. So. How is it not like that with the Bible? Yeah, so like uh, that's true. Uh, the telephone game is is often compared to this situation with the copies of the Bible, and you don't have the original, but it's very different, right? So with the telephone game, you have we actually did this with the kids the, the other day, and so we gave them some really hard to remember phrase with goofy words, so it wouldn't be easy to pass it on. And then by the time you got to the end, it was totally unrecognizable, but with that, you've got, um, you only hear the final thing, right? You hear what the last person says. You don't hear what, say, the second or the third or the fourth person in line says. Well, that's different with, with the manuscripts because we have some copies are, are much earlier and some are later. So you can compare the ones that are earlier with the ones that are later. The ones that are earlier obviously carry more weight because they're closer. Um, also, you don't just have one line uh, like you do in the telephone game uh, where you know, by the time you get to the end, this is the only line you have from what the original said. You have like multiple lines. So like hmm. the, the uh, initial manuscript would have a bunch of copies made of it. And then each one of those copies would have a bunch of copies made of it. And each of those would have a bunch of copies. And so there's multiple sort of lines, almost like a bracket on your March Madness sheet, you know, where you've got, you've got, uh, you could sort of think of it like that, where there's uh, these, these, copies sort of branch out and you you can follow multiple lines to get from the original to say one of the later ones and you can compare all these lines or these families of texts and you're able to really get a good sense of where the differences are and what the original said and so you can reconstruct it with with great confidence um, by doing that that's neat that that encouraging to no single human being could have messed up the whole chain you know because yeah. you could at the very least you go compare it to the other and the that's other an lines. important thing too in fact um in many ways we're in better situation to have all these thousands of copies rather than only having the original a few and no copies because mm. someone can change one copy or they can totally corrupt it or they could steal it and replace oh, it or it can be lost but if you have thousands of copies and they're spread all over the place, all over the Mediterranean, yeah. um, you can't you can't control that. You can't mm. corrupt that. That's, and it's easier to know what the original said with more confidence. That's that's really neat. So let's shift to the Old Testament and then wrap up by talking about the famous uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. What are these scrolls? How does this discovery give us more confidence that the Old Testament has been? copied accurately over the years. Yeah, this is another thing that we could have spent, you know, a whole lesson on, but <laughs> we, we kind of just talked for a couple minutes at yep. the end on it. Uh, I actually got to go to Qumran, mm. which is this, this city real close to the Dead Sea, just east of Jerusalem in Israel. Right. And they have these 11 different caves where these scrolls were found in the 1940s when a, 
a shepherd boy threw a stone into one of the caves and heard a cracking noise. It turns out there were these jars, these clay jars that they had these scrolls and they ended up discovering them. Um, these among, uh, there, there weren't just Old Testament uh, manuscripts there, but they, they had other documents too. But pretty much, I think all but Esther, uh, all of these, uh, the Old Testament books were found in these caves. And, and these are the oldest copies of the Old Testament books that we have. I mean, many of these go back to the time of Jesus or even 100 or 200 years before the time of Jesus. And before that, our oldest Old Testament books were about a thousand years old. And so now we can go back like a whole nother thousand to twelve hundred years and we can compare them and see, well, has there been corruptions to the Old Testament? Has it been copied down over the years? And you see, no, it's very consistent with the later copies that we have. And we can know what the Old Testament looked like at the time when, when Jesus was reading it. And we can know that we have that accurately. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Zach, thanks so much. It's super helpful for me, and I know it is for the parents and the students too. So um, we're praying for you guys as you keep up this good work. If you need more information about Connection Point, you can always go to cp.news. That's a good starting place to get some questions answered. And uh, feel free to pass on this resource to friends that you've got too. Um, We'll be back before you know it with more amazing information and helps resources for you as a parent.